Because you listen to The Ron Van Dam Show, I know that you are a classy, intelligent person. And so I've been, kind of been meaning to ask if uh, maybe I could get your number. Uh, if you're not doing anything this weekend, maybe we could get together and, uh, I don't know, talk about Ron over a couple of drinks. I mean, we don't have to talk about Ron, but uh, he is kind of the thing that brought us together. So, um, well, you let me know. For right now, you're listening to The Ron Van Dam Show on New England Broadcasting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's The Ron Van Dam Show. Okay, all right. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. Hey, welcome to the program. It is the Ron Van Dam Show. My name is in the title, so therefore it behooves me to do a decent program for you. Otherwise, you know from the title exactly who handed you all this crap. That would be me, but it's not going to be crap. Just wait and see. Alright, maybe it'll be a little crap, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. By the way, uh, this show is rated PG for people that uh, own goats, basically. You'll enjoy this show if you own a goat. I don't refer to goats at all, which means that I'm very goat-friendly. What I meant to say was, but I didn't say, that children... uh, All right, you had children. Okay. Let's not go backwards. Okay, you had the children. That doesn't mean you have to expose them to programs like this. So gather the children up in a bag and bring them uh, to another part of your abode and let them bang on the, po- the pots and pans, or the pots and pans. Let them bang on uh, cookware, okay, uh, for a while while I do this show. This will take about 28 minutes from now, then I'll be out of here. You can go on with your life and do what you wanted to do anyway before you got stuck here. And everybody's going to be happy. The kids will be playing. You'll be listening to a fantastic program. I will have uh, fulfilled my financial duties. And everybody's happy. Well, not everybody. It's a large world. There's a lot of unhappy people in it. Let's, for now, be the ones that are happy, shall we? Now that I've wasted four minutes of your time, actually three uh, minutes and seven seconds, <laughs> but who's counting? Ah, it's not me. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good to be with you. Well, uh, as I said last week, uh, Groundhog Day was last Friday, by the way, in case you live in a different uh, planet. And uh, the uh, little gerbil came out, uh, of course, attached to a string and told everybody that uh, it's going to be an early spring. No crap, huh? Is that something? Oh, what does that mean? I don't know. This has been a few years of what we call weather fluxation, where it can be extremely cold, and then two days later, it's breaking heat records. It's true. So we're in this weird pattern, and it has been like that through much, for much of the country, 
in California right now, they're, uh, they're looking at mudslides and a lot of uh, flooding destruction. Oh, my God. And, you know, in California, because it's such a beautiful view of uh, I don't know what, uh, they actually, if you live in California, you can verify this, please. Uh, they actually build their homes on the sides of hills and the sides of, you know, inclines. Um, so if there's a mudslide, guess what the problem might be? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's not great. I was watching a show yesterday about California real estate, specifically in the Hollywood Hills area. And uh, these expensive homes, a, a little shack goes for one and a half million dollars. I mean, it's like, wow, okay, sure, all right. That's crazy. But, you know, it's all relevant. It's all your, it's all, it's all your relative's fault is what it is. Uh, one and a half million dollars for a shack, basically. Uh, the average home is around five, six million bucks, uh, three million bucks, whatever. Maybe two if it's like a modest home. Uh, uh, and yet they face all kinds of hazards over there. You could have a landslide. You could be flooded. Uh, you could go through a heat wave where you're parched and you can't even uh, swallow. Um, they have uh, earthquakes. Oh, my God. I mean, like, where do you run when you have an earthquake? Uh, you're stuck. You just jump in the air and stay up there as long as you can. I mean, seriously, <clears throat> and that's just some of their problems. Oh, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why people, you know, Los Angeles, a recent survey, I don't know who did the survey, so like, don't quote me, but Los Angeles was the number one place uh, to live in the country. Oh, no, no, no. I guess if you want to take your chances, uh, I suppose, but it doesn't see, it's way too expensive. The weather is like so variable and so dangerous and so extreme there could be an earthquake any minute before I even finish this sentence. And yet, come come here. And there's no trees. There's just palm trees. I don't think palm trees are trees. They are long, trunky stems with crap on the top. That's all they are. I, I you know, I, I went to Miami and I saw the palm trees and I said, these are not palm trees. This is not beautiful. This is like, these are the plastic things that I put in my, in, in my, in my turtle tank. You know, my I, I little I, when I was a kid, I had a little turtle. I named the turtle Lucky, and uh, uh, which did not live up to its name. Uh, yeah, there was Lucky, and then there was Lucky too. Like I never learned my lesson, and um, I couldn't play with Lucky. There was no place to put the leash to take it for a walk. So Lucky just stood in this plastic little environment that was no more than uh, maybe a foot long at that. And we had these plastic palm trees in it. They came with a little thing. I don't think you call it a tank. It's a, uh, what do you call it? A play area. I don't know what the hell that thing is. A, a habitat, a plastic habitat with a plastic palm tree or two. And this, uh, <laughs> this is supposed to delight the turtle and delight me as well. What am I going to do? Just sit there and stare at a turtle just sitting there I, I just i didn't i didn't understand why i had a turtle i think it was the only thing i could have when i was younger because uh they thought that well okay he's not going to swallow the turtle and the turtle's not going to scratch his eyes out so let's get him a turtle uh the turtle didn't last more than probably two weeks and i don't know why i fed the turtle um i fed the turtle very very well uh ham sandwich 
chips and salsa. Love that. Must have been a Spanish turtle. Fantastic. Um, Lucky was not that lucky. Uh, Lucky one day uh, fell asleep and kind of never woke up. And uh, how do you get rid of a turtle? Well, if the bathroom's nearby, it's a it's a it's a flushing thing. It's a bury at sea kind of deal. So I went through that with two turtles, and then uh, my parents said, "This is stupid." Um, it's nice that they called something stupid besides me. It's, no, they didn't call me stupid. They really didn't. They thought it, but they didn't call me that. So yeah, turtles. I'm not into the turtle thing. Uh, I have a friend who has a bird, and the bird actually talks, and I think that's adorable. The bird is very attached to her, um, and I think that's adorable. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, this bird got to fly. These birds have wings, and they're meant to fly. So you can't get too attached to the bird because the bird's gonna should be flying around, and therefore may not come back, may come back. I don't know. There could be a vulture standing by. Maybe a, a gaggle of crows, a murder of crows. Oh, that's that's a pleasant thought. <laughs> you know, instead of calling uh, them uh, members of a gang, they should be members of a murder. I think that's apropos, right? Because they're violent people. Yeah. What am I talking about? What the hell am I talking about? Anyway, uh, yeah, not into the turtle thing and the plastic thing. Uh, so the palm trees, that's right, palm trees. Um, yeah, palm trees don't impress me much, no, as Shania Twain would say. No, I'm not into the palm trees. They're pretty on a postcard, but to live around them, I get it. It's a palm tree, all right, enough. Where I live in the Boston area, there's all different kinds of trees. I can't name them all because I'm not into it, but I, there's a lot of different trees. I live near a forest. And deer come onto my property, unannounced, but they show up. Uh, Squirrels, all kinds of birds, um, everything. I mean, everything shows up in my yard. uh, And I love it. I love it because it's it's, it's nature. And and there's there's so many varieties. And I love the changing of the seasons. I could never live in a place where it's always kind of the same temperature area all of my life. It's like being married and only being able to have sex with one person. Oh, that was a really bad, dangerous analogy. Huh. Okay, never mind. But uh, yeah, I don't. And then Christmas time. I mean, I enjoy Christmas time, even though I'm not of the Christmas uh, thing. But I love it. It's a beautiful time of year where people, in a phony sense, love each other. At least it's at least it's it's loving each other. It can if it's phony. I don't care. What isn't phony, really? I don't care. If you if you have to make believe you love people for a couple of weeks during the holiday season, that's good enough for me. That's enough of an incentive. It's the only incentive. So I love the holiday season, and it's a little chilly outside, and perhaps it'll snow, perhaps it won't. I don't know. But with the change of seasons, you get that. You get the, the fall weather. You get the summer weather for a little while. I hate the summer. I, I, I hate the summer. I always have. I've never liked the summer. And why? Because the bugs come out. Those freaking things, those gnats that fly around your face like I'm going to attack you and eat you, but I'm not. I'm just going to bother you. I'm going to tease you and bother you. And then the flies are all over the place. And what, you know, they don't live that long. So like, why are you bothering me? 
uh, and the mosquitoes, holy crap, you can't go outside for, you can't go near a, a still body of water. I mean, it just the mosquitoes ever, you can't go planting outside. You can't do anything. You got to wear protection again in the summer. I got to protect my skin against the sun. I got to, I got to put uh, insect repellent to protect me from the insects before they'll actually draw blood from my body. They draw blood from my body. Flying things draw blood from my body. The summer is not, my friend. It is not. You sweat, and when you sweat, you stink. And you can shower, and two minutes later, you walk outside and you're sweating again. It's a horrible thing. You can't wear, you can't, you can't wear your designer clothes because it's too hot to wear anything. It's a horrible time of year. Horrible, horrible. I like the uh, the seasons like fall and spring because they're temperate. They're not too hot. They're not too cold. Like the Goldilocks story. Remember her? The three bears. Remember Goldilocks and the three bears? What a wonderful example of life. What a wonderful example. Are you familiar with the Goldilocks show? Yeah, she's um, she's wandered into a bear's house. And I don't know why she did that. Uh, I, I, I don't recall if she was in a, uh, supposed to go or not. She's in there and she's she's tired. She's a little tired from you know doing whatever she did, and um, you know is the mama bear's bed too big, too soft, too hard, whatever. Uh, but the baby bear's bed, it was just right, um, you know. So that's a lesson. I don't know what lesson it is though. I don't know what lesson it is, but it sounds like a lesson, doesn't it? <sighs> I have a series of guests today. It is Black History Month. And uh, you learn a lot of things that you didn't know. Um, it, and, you know, whenever there's a, like a Black History Month, I always think there should also be a Chinese History Month. There should be a Latin History Month. I don't know. We can't do these months. We, we only have 12 months, and we have a, a lot more cultures to, to cover. Um, so, yeah, uh, but it is Black History Month, and you do learn a lot, and you learn about the great people of, of every culture, really. So we're going to talk about that today, just a tad, and uh, some other stuff. But first, we're going to have a commercial break, because the longer I talk, the more I realize it's not the kind of day that I should be monologuing, because this, this show is so far all over the place, and I don't think anybody wants that. All right, um... Do you like toast? Oh, I love toast. Looking for someplace new and fun to take the family for breakfast? Then it's time to try Greg's House of Avocado Toast. Featuring all your breakfast favorites. White toast, wheat toast, rye toast, yes, even multigrain toast, and more. All topped with creamy avocado. Or mix it up a little with a toasted English muffin topped with avocado. Come in every Thursday for our chef's special creation, sourdough toast with avocado. If it's toast with avocado on top, you'll find it, and nothing else, at Greg's House of Avocado Toast. Tashana William joins us. She's CEO of Orchid Black and Company Incorporated. And uh, you're uh, very impressive. Thanks for being with us today. We're talking about celebrating women entrepreneurs and uh, Black History Month, as we should always every month. Uh, first of all, um, why why do we actually name a month after uh, an accomplishment? Why do we do that? Uh, you know, I feel that Ron, some people in or 
need to have recognition and mm-hmm. we need rep- rep- uh, pardon me, representation, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, in, in our society, there have been so many things in history that have taken place. And unless we make an effort to really honor the people that got us to where we are and the events that got us to where we are today, our gen- future generations will never learn. Yeah, so it, I think it's important that we. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, we should always recognize, but we should always appreciate. And it's uh, when you dedicate a month to it, it's it's for awareness for people that uh, pretty much don't get it that this is all the time that we should be, we should be in this in this uh, <laughs> yeah. thought pattern. But anyway. Um, let's talk about uh, being a business owner, which is difficult for, for anybody, but at the same time, what, what types of, uh, what type of personality, what, what, what does it take to become an entrepreneur? You have to really have a, uh, in order to be an, uh, a successful entrepreneur, I'll say that you have to mm. believe in yourself. First of all, uh, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in what you're offering and you've got to show up. Uh, yeah, you really have to show up. You've got to put in that work and you have to follow through on it as well. Yeah. Is it, is it often a struggle or is it a path that you carefully chart? Uh, I, I chart it now, but uh-huh. it definitely wasn't a straight path in the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I did face adversaries, um, you know, both in my personal self and with other people, mm. but I did uh, end up finding this path. And now that I'm on it, I, I'm able to charter it just exactly how I want it. Wow. Uh, yeah. What 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 were what was your your biggest hurdle? What 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 stands out in your mind as being a well? Is there a hurdle, but a, a a bold move? I guess entrepreneurs have to take chances here and there. Where, where did that lie for you? My boldest business move thus far has been the focus on community outreach mm-hmm. and also just trying to address the needs, the immediate needs of those that we have the capacity to help. Uh, Ron, I actually have the privilege of working with organizations around the world that are focused to bridging the gaps that are faced by women, people of color, and low-income communities as well. We make sure that they have the information, the education, and the services that they need to set themselves up for success. Interesting. Um, yeah. finances are always difficult, uh, when you chart this path, it's uh, how important is that? And how do you get through that? Uh, you have to plan. You really do have to plan, uh, when it comes to financing, um, and, and just business in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll definitely say that, you know, the moment where I felt like I made it was when I was able to travel across the country to meet a client for lunch and just to immerse them myself in their culture and in their their history and find out what led them to their mission mm-hmm. so that I could serve them better. And it's become a, a good practice for me and it creates a great balance. Wow. Uh, who, yeah. inspi- who inspired you uh, to, to, to make these moves? I would say the robust roster of inspiring matriarchs in my family. We have very strong, powerful women in my family, uh, strong role models, you know, they came here as first-generation immigrants, and they worked to provide the life uh, that I have and the principles that I carry today as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, entrepreneurs also have personal uh, lives as well, as, uh, and there's a lot of juggling uh, for everybody <laughs> when you do this. And 
I'm sure you're no different. Um, how, how do you do that? A lot of people either become so embaked in their journey that they, they suffer on the other end. Uh, how do you, how do you balance? Uh, Ron, I have to practice. I, you know, picking, writing everything down that I, um, that I need to do any thoughts that I have and scheduling my time as well. Uh, for my personal relaxation, for personal development. Uh, one of the tools that I use is uh, what's called a Go-Go book, which is a personal planner. And they also have a budget planner. So it really allows me to kind of put a bird's eye view on everything. Mm-hmm. And that way I'm able to prioritize and schedule time with my family accordingly. Interesting. You were also an advocate uh, of uh, bridging the gap in, in these uh, scenarios. Uh, how long have you been doing that, and why did that become so important to you? Um, I, when I started this company and just listening to you know the needs of some of the business owners and their clientele, the people that they were trying to help, uh, community outreach kind of popped out as um, something that is it was a necessity. And so we actually started a a national nonprofit organization that's mandated to bridging the gap from coast to coast and connecting people of different ethnicities and backgrounds and business. Interesting. Well, uh, where would somebody go if they need some guidance and want to get into what you're talking about here? If you're looking to become an entrepreneur um, and in celebration of Black History Month, I will uh, for any black entrepreneurs that are out there, mm-hmm. I recommend you go take a look at Black Economic Alliance Foundation. Um, you can find them at foundation.blackeconomicalalliance.com. Perfect. Deshaun, it's been a pleasure meeting you and continued success to you. And thanks for helping people out to, uh, to achieve their goals. Thank you so much for having me, Ron. Have a great day. Take care. Okay. Uh, thank you. Now let's go to our next guest. Let's say hello to Linda DiCarlo and Dr. Jose Arce. Good morning to both of you. Morning, Ron. Good morning, Ron. How are you? Great. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, dog bites, and who better to talk about this with than uh, the, uh, the, well, the Postal Service uh, runs into this problem every day all over the place. Linda DiCarlo is uh, with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, this is a rampant problem and it always has been, even in cartoons. That's absolutely right, Ron. One of the things that the Postal Service hears a lot is, don't worry, my dog won't bite. Yeah. But given the right circumstances, any dog can bite. No question about it. Um, I have two dogs and they are leashed at all times, uh, if, if, if they hit the outdoors at all. But so many people in my neighborhood don't do that. They let them run around their property. Inevitably, they, they, they run off. And I guess when you get into rural areas, it's like leashes. I don't even know what those things are. Um, and it, it, it infuriates me because it's so irresponsible. And yeah, I mean, postal employees go onto people's properties in order to do their job. And I can't imagine what they go through. It, it is amazing, Ron. Last year alone, we had 5,700 letter carriers who were attacked by dogs. And there's really some simple tips that a homeowner and a responsible pet owner can take in order to help protect the letter carriers that are coming to their doors. The first is when, when you see the letter carrier coming up to your door, put the dog in another room 
lock the door, shut the door before you come to the front door. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I think customers don't realize is that if a letter carrier feels threatened, they will ask the customer to have to come to the post office to pick up their mail. Good. And if the dog's running loose on the street, they could impact the delivery for their entire neighborhood. Absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, and, and, you know, there are laws against this. I don't know what they are in every state. But in Massachusetts, for example, where our studio is, um, there are very strict leash laws. But it's like people don't even seem to honor them because they all say what you've just said, uh, Linda, is that my dog doesn't bite. Yeah, in Massachusetts alone, we had 126 of those dog bites wow. take place. Where, where does that rank? Uh, where does that rank, Linda, as far as the rest of the country is concerned? Uh, Massachusetts is actually probably in within the top five as a whole state. Um, Rhode Island is is probably one of the better hmm. of the Northeast region. Uh huh. Okay, but, but I would say Massachusetts is probably about halfway through. All right. Well, that's not great. Uh, doctor uh, is with the the American Veterinary Medical Association, Doctor Jose. Um, a serious problem? I mean, what can result from dog bites? Obviously, you know, it's not a great thing anyway, but how serious is this? Well, uh, the figures show uh, there's about 4.5 million dog bites a year in the United States, mm. and they range for very minor bites to, to major uh, bites. And what we emphasize is, is part of what you say, speaking about using a leash, yeah. is responsible uh, pet ownership, and that's the key. Uh, prevention of dog bites starts at the owner, starts with puppy training, yeah. starts with uh, selecting the right breed or, or the right type of dog yeah. according to your lifestyle, your your life environment, the, the size of, of where you live. Yeah. And this, those are things that we emphasize so we can prevent dog bites. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it falls under the category of of human emotion. It's like when you're, if you have a little child and your kid goes to school and they get in trouble and they get into a fight, the parent always says, my kid didn't start that. My kid doesn't fight. My kid was never the aggressor. And it's the same with the dogs. My dog never bites. My dog is, oh, they're just playing and it's fine. It's just... uh, Correctly. And we hear this on a daily basis. As veterinarians, we we hear, oh, this dog has never bitten. And for me, that's kind of like a key to be be aware. It's going to bite me. And and basically, any dog can potentially bite. We know there's over 70 million good dogs out there, but potentially any dog will bite. And they don't bite because they're born aggressive. They bite because they're reacting to something that happened to them, because they're fearful, because you're inviting their space, or because they're sick. They they might have a medical condition and feel bad, and and they'll snap at you. Uh, Linda, how is this handled legally? Uh, uh, If a post employee is, or letter carrier is is bitten, is this handled through the post office, or is that a a personal uh, attack? Well, it's actually handled at two different levels for our employees. The first one is that we obviously provide workers' compensation benefits to anybody who's injured as a result of a dog attack. But we also do have um, the opportunity for litigation. It could result in a tort claim act against the property homeowner so that we could recover some of those funds because technically it's not a work-related injury. I didn't cause it as the employer. Right. The customer who failed to restrain their dog caused it, so they they have some liability in that matter. Right. I know that we've been readily involved with some of the insurance agencies as well, and I believe that they they find this to be a large issue as well for homeowners insurance and the like. 
Well, it absolutely is. Doctor, what happens if you are bitten, whether you're a letter carrier or not? Maybe you're just walking your dog and some other dog came up and started a fight with the dogs or bit you. Uh, what, uh, what do you do? Yeah, I, I, the first thing that the, the dog owner needs to uh, remove the dog from, from the, uh, the area yeah. and then uh, look, look at the victim, let, let, take a look at uh, the wounds. Yeah. Uh, if it's something that warrants going to the hospital, I mean, we recommend that they go. Uh, many times it just requires antibiotics. Uh-huh. Uh, some other, obviously, you know, uh, more severe wounds need to be attended, you know, by, by stitches or whatever it requires. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as uh, the dog and the owner, uh, the first thing that we want to look at is the rabies uh, status of that dog, whether it's, it's up to date on rabies. Yeah. If if it is, every, it, it makes everything uh, very easy, and and that changes according to the state, some uh, or the or the county or the parish. Some states require rabies vaccination every year. Yeah. Uh, areas where there's rabies, like I live in Puerto Rico, and uh, unfortunately because of mongoose, we have rabies in Puerto Rico, wow. and we require rabies vaccination on a yearly basis. Other states. Well, might only require every three years. So mm-hmm. that's very important. The rabies status will determine how the whole protocol is, is followed. Okay. Uh, then after that is the extent of the injuries will determine what to follow. But clean your hands or, or wherever you get beating with soap and water first, and then uh, I would visit a physician just to make sure everything's okay. Uh, yeah, this can all be avoided if, if humans just aren't so cocky about their, their, their pets. Um, okay. Interesting. We could go on, but I think we're a little bit out of time here. How do we get more information? Uh, right now, Ron, you, we have a lot of information posted on the AVMA website, and that's www.avma.org. Excellent. Thank you both for your time this morning and for bringing it to our attention again, because it it uh, it needs to be talked about and resolved. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ron, for having us. Thank you, Ron. Take care. Well, that'll do it for me today. You've been wonderful. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new program, kind of a program that's a little more normal and entertaining than this one. Uh, A different episode kind of feel. But until that time arrives, uh, have yourselves a wonderful day. And until tomorrow, I wish you peace. (laughs) 